Are you are you just trying to scare me? Or Okay well, well I'm terrified, okay? You won. Now will you just please step aside and let me go. Stop. Stop it. Stop it! Stop it! And welcome to the 88th episode of the Fear of God podcast, your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, everyone's favorite podcast. This is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. Uh, Maybe some weeks it's your favorite host. Maybe some weeks it's your least favorite host, depending on your political leanings. Um, And, you know, typically with me is long time, buddy. Just, just all around swell fella reed lackey um but he said something about wanting to go get ready for our first tubby together and i really i mean that's it's a little weird i don't really know what that means it's got like this slightly whimsical yet ominous sort of sensibility to it but it's reed we've known each other for a long time if he wants to do have a first tubby like i guess i you know whatever i mean we're buddies but while he's doing that, I just wanted to cover some business real quick while he gets the tubby ready. Um, so if you've been listening to us for a while, or maybe this is your first time and you're already about to hit the eject button, peace be with you. Um, if you've been here for a while and haven't yet, please leave us a review or a rating or subscribe to us on iTunes. This is how more people get to hear about our first tubby. Um, additionally, Recall, I think we mentioned last week that uh, the Fear of God podcast now has an Instagram feed and we have been posting creepy pictures and we'll be posting more on that in the coming days, weeks, months, and perhaps years, um, and depending on the longevity of mine and Reed's friendship. Um, you can go to Instagram if you're uh, 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 an account holder there and it's Fear of God podcast. Fear of God podcast at Instagram. Also, by the time you hear this, we will have a Facebook group launched for the podcast. Um, this is something we've been reading. I've been talking about for a little while. Um, we love interacting with you guys as we come to understand this bold new world of social media um, and realize, hey, we want you to be able to interact a little bit more, but maybe you don't know when we're trying to interact with you. So a group will be a great way to do that. Uh, we can have conversations about the movies we're watching. We can have conversations about the movies we aren't talking about, but are otherwise watching. We can just have conversations about whatever. Regardless, please 
Come check us out on that. So Facebook group, Instagram feed, leave a review, a rating, or subscribe to us. Reed! Reed, you're back. Hi. Man, you, that took a while to get that going. You said something. Well, Were you like holding your breath under the water No, no. I mean, the water was warm a while ago, but then with all the announcements, <laughs> the water's cold now. Now we got like... Well, hey, buddy. You know, I mean, you, we got to have some announcements. Is it cold? You got to refresh it. Do you need to go away for a few minutes and, no, and refresh? No. <laughs> you can, we can get our toes wet. We can do whatever we need to do, you know? Like... Oh, a little scary. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. That, Someone, oh. what What I wish, I kind of wish, I, I mean, not for them, but just for the knowledge that it might have happened, that this was someone's very first listen to the Fear <laughs> of God podcast. And they're like, uh, <laughs> what have what I is, turned on here? This? this, these bunch of weirdos. Oh, I thought this God. was going to have some grain of faith flavor to it but even better not. no even better would be as if they had no context for the movie like if they had no right. idea well no that's what i'm yeah. saying they're if, like yes totally because at least if they ch- if they chime in for the first time and they're familiar with creep then they'll know that reference but but if they're not then uh yeah. oh wait that's a reference to a movie i thought i thought you were just running about no this night it's actually a specific reference to a movie most nights i'm just running about <laughs> speaking of running a bath did you ever did you ever see this um it was very short-lived but it was like a web series and i don't remember the explicit title but it was something like john in the tub with john malkovich or something and it no. was like a talk it was like a talk show it was like an interview show of him with his guest and they were in the bathtub together like no lie i am not making this up oh my god like for real you it's probably still out there somewhere in the tub um, so yeah. with John Malkovich. You, that wasn't the name of it, but I, I'm sure you could Google Malkovich bathtub or something oh and get it. Oh my gosh. Um, that is amongst crazy. maybe some other things you won't want to get. I don't know. I haven't actually tried Googling that no yet. No kidding. No kidding. Some um, things you don't want. Hey, Reed. Hey. Um, now that you're back, you got your towel on. I appreciate that. And do you For want now. to fill us in before we get too far towards the tubby time? Do you want to fill us in? On the Monster Mash. What's going on? So excited for the Monster Mash. the Monster Mash. Mash. So excited. Okay, so listeners, uh, the... We need, we need like a, you, we need to drop a sound cue in here, like a, like the bell, you know, the wrestling bell ringing. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing like the Mike Tyson's punch out music <laughs> in the background. Like that, that would really work oh here. Gosh. I wish I knew how to like conjure that. That'd be great. Oh, and I don't know the exact melody of it. All I remember is the sound that Glass Joe made whenever you hit him. He would go, King Hippo. Oh that game was hard. It was really it's difficult. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's super easy and then it's impossible. Yeah, that's true. Glass Joe is really easy to beat and then everybody else just is really difficult. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, no, King Hippo is not too hard. Don Flamenco. You see, you oh, like how I'm pulling all this it. out. I love it. Piston once Honda you get used to, to so mad, once you, Yeah, Piston Honda. He Well, the first time you fight him, it's not too bad. Okay. It's the second time when his bull charge is a lot faster. <laughs> and then once you get, like, Soda Popinski is difficult. Soda Popinski. <laughs> yeah, because he does the helicopter yes, punch. You remember? I do remember. Boom, 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 boom. And then Mr. Sandman is near impossible. Oh, I don't know yeah. that I ever actually fought Tyson or... The latter, Mr. Dream. Oh, Do you remember that? No, I don't remember Mr. Dream. I did fight Tyson well, once and just got Mr. Dream was because between. it was Mike Tyson's punch out until Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. So they had to read, reprogram the just game. Just to punch out? And, ah. and they, yeah, and white privilege took hold and they whitewashed Tyson <laughs> into uh, Mr. Dream. 
so yeah it was no longer mike tyson's punch out it was just punch out because you know you can't at that time at least you couldn't do things like bite off another <laughs> uh athlete's ear in your sport yeah and uh you know still have your name on a kid's video game <laughs> wow we've come a long way we've come a long way Yeah, who knows what would be possible <laughs> now oh my gosh i know i tell you what so anyway yes that was a really <laughs> lo- that was a really awesome lovely just random walk oh, down memory awesome. lane about the music cue we should have to intro sure monster sure, Mash. sure exactly but now here we go so uh listeners the qualifying round has finally closed so you have selected the top 16 candidates uh we gave you about 25 each and you voted on them and the top 16 for monsters humans slashers and spirits are all pitted up the bracket is here i won't get too much into the math here but basically we just took the top 16 and then my basic rule was that they had to be be kind of comparably voted together. Um, so you'll see these these mashups are kind of fun. So what we're going to reveal right now are your mashup brackets for the monsters only. Just the monsters category. And then next week we'll reveal the humans and then we'll move on from there. So uh, the so this is the top what? These are the top 16. So these are the battles that will be taking place in the monsters category. And uh, I know the whole thing is called Monster Mash, but this is the specific subset of monsters. Um, so I'm very right. excited. Some of these movies I, I badly want to see so first up now clar- clarify for those of us who don't really indulge the whole bracket phenomena are you about to tell us who is paired off against who yes. or you're just telling us a smattering of nope, 16 nope. Okay. i'm gonna tell you who that's is not battling. that's not for me at all i'm actually very versed in this world of sports and brackets and <laughs> yeah of course um, you are. but for those who might not be. sure of course so yeah no these are the actual uh battle battle duos The Xenomorph from Alien is going to pair up with The Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth, Ew. which is a fight I am excited to see. I, I mean, the, my money would be on the Xenomorph. Don't I mean, the sway the viewers, the, the listeners. Oh, don't sorry. Don't sway the listeners. Sorry. I just, I didn't know if you wanted editorial. No, I don't want I mean, editorial. I mean, that super slow, emaciated pale man totally going to overtake that xenomorph. He's a mythological creature, and, and we don't know it's what true. his powers are. He consumes everything. Because the xenomorph is just going to take a bite so of food off the table, you know? You don't know. Because if you, if you recall from our Aliens episode, he really is just an innocent bystander to all the things that go on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, Sorry, no, no more no more. No, that's okay. Carry that's on. all right. So um, a kind of expected pairing, but uh, Dracula will be pairing off against Frankenstein's monster. So we'll see who rises to the top there. Um, this was fun for me. Uh, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park is going up against Godzilla. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the uh, the thing is it like is it like man in a suit Godzilla or is it like <laughs> no I think I, like, I, you know what you listeners know, you decide Brian Cranston movie version Godzilla <laughs> yeah. listeners you decide um, so yeah the T Rex is going up against Godzilla the thing 
from John Carpenter's The Thing is going up against the Deadites from Evil Dead. So that is going to be, man, I want to see that movie so bad. Because The Thing can assimilate them and it can become them, but can it defeat them? Oh. Hey, hey, don't sway the listeners. <laughs> um, so um, this was this was perhaps my personal favorite. Uh, the zombies from Night of the Living Dead are going up against The Predator, <laughs> which is a movie I badly want to see. Um, Especially if The Predator's name is Barbara. Yes, exactly. <laughs> can't even, can't even make a joke there. Um, Bruce the Shark from Jaws is going up against the legendary King Kong. And then uh, we have two more. Pennywise from It is going to have to tackle the Terminator. And Krampus, there's a three-way tie for, the, uh, for this particular bracket. Uh, Krampus, the Wolfman, and the Mummy are all going to have a big battle royale. Um, so the that survey is up on our Facebook group, our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter. It's up everywhere right now. Vote for your pairings. Um, vote for who you think will win. Vote for who you think is the scariest, who you think is the most iconic, who your favorite is. I don't care. We don't care. You just vote, and the votes will sway out who moves forward in the monsters bracket. But either way, these pairings are pairings that uh, belong to movies that don't exist, but that I badly want to see. Well, you know, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll inspire somebody out there to make a fan version of these. Dude, I want to see Predator versus Zombies so bad. <laughs> so bad. Hey, um, before we get too much further down the road, Reed, I just, I'm, I'm curious. Um, what you watching? What you reading, listening to? What you watching? What you reading, listening to? Hey, Reed, what you watching, reading, listening to? <laughs> bow, bow, bow. I love it. Wow! <laughs> yeah, Complete, did you like that? I, I did. I love it. I love me some Sanford and Son. Oh, it's, it's so <laughs> so great. It's so great. That really isn't a sentence that should make sense in the world. <laughs> but it's so great. It's so true. Um, okay, so uh, so what I have been reading specifically recently is uh, I got uh, a friend of mine at work loaned me the uh, the graphic novel, well, the trade paperback collections of Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man, which yeah. I had never, yeah, and I have never completed it. I read way back when it was first um, coming out, I read up through about the second trade, uh, you know, the first 12 to 15 issues or so. But had never read past that. So this is all new material to me. Um, I'm about halfway through it now. I'm into the fifth book. But uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious and excited to see where it goes. You, you've read it. You know it's, it's great commentary as all, well, not all, but as most apocalyptic scenarios are. It's got a lot to say about, uh, you know, just how people are when all of the comforts get removed. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Lots of witty, clever references. I'm genuinely in the dark about where it might be going or what might be causing all of this. So yeah, I'm very excited to be reading it. That's my, that's my basic reading as I'm making my way through Brian K. Vaughn's why the last man. Well, that's a very good book and a very good read. Just like you, um, <laughs> you mentioning the phrase graphic novel made me think of this. Did you see, uh, our, our mutual favorite creator, Damon Lindelof's, uh, uh, treatise on his take on the Watchmen? I sure did. I sure did. Dude. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I I like The Watchmen. The Watchmen is not significant to me personally. I understand its place in the canon of comic publisher. Sure. Um, I like it fine. I am not. I, I, I remember reading it at Gardner Webb, so I have these real weird 
associations attached mem- memory associations attached to it like listening to all that you can't leave behind for the first time while dr manhattan is on the moon oh, like wow re- like that is a literal actual association in my wow. brain um <clears throat> uh specifically the song kite oh um so anyway right right yeah it's very specific uh, uh association right. but um and so when i learned he was doing it uh, adapting for hbo I must confess a slight twinge of disappointment might be a strong word, Mm -hmm. but just like, oh, well, you know, I understand that's probably a significant work to him. Mm -hmm. Um, It it does merit uh, um, a reconsideration post, you know, five, six, seven, eight years on from Snyder's film version. Um, I will give it a watch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Man. Well, then. So interestingly. I don't know if I told you about this or not, but Sonia Walger, who plays Penny on Lost, okay. um, also whose character is the namesake of our middle child, hmm. um, has a podcast. Did I tell you about oh, this? Oh, no. Wow. Okay. So, she has a podcast. I want to say it's called Bookish, but don't quote me on that. I'm sure you could just search her name. But she has a podcast where she interviews her, her peers in kind of you know, her celeb peers that she has and Lindelof is one of them and you'll love it. You will love this podcast because it is, it is her. She, she asks the guest before they come on their five favorite books. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the conversation is she leads with what are you reading right now? Okay. And they have a conversation about that. And then it's a whole conversation about the most significant books to them. That's what this entire podcast is. Yes. 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 Oh, so man, I listen, now that's hours of my life gone. <laughs> I know, I know. I listen to Lindelof, which is great. I listen to John Hans, which is pretty good. Um, but anyway, in it, Lindelof references Watchmen and how meaningful it is to him. This is weeks before this new kind of HBO right, treatise right. just came out. Well, in addition to that, around the end of The Leftovers, I remember hearing him interviewed by Alan Seppenwall, the TV critic, and him talking about how wild the experience of the november 2016 election were Mm. was to him and so reading this treatise about his take on the watchman and understanding oh this is not an adaptation of the book per se as much as in his words it's kind of a remix yeah but dealing with a lot of those themes i i honestly went from being i went from being interested because of him but ambivalent a little bit about the project to excited about yes, the project. Yes. And that was a pretty cool feeling. So would you, what, what did you have a similar experience or, or what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I feel almost exactly the same way you do about the Watchmen material, the graphic novel. I respect it more than I enjoy it. Uh, I do own it, but it's not one that I revisit a lot and I don't love the um, Zack Snyder adaptation of it although i admire the ambition that that went into sure. it sure um and i do think it, it was a it, it was a a noble effort uh i think some things just didn't quite translate terribly well um but yeah i mean honestly lindelof's name attached to anything at this point i mean he already had me with lost <laughs> not only did you name right, a child right. after a lost character we did too and so sure so it's like you know lost is obviously it was a little weird when you named your son penny also i mean you know what i mean but whatever, you know, you know, I love Lost. You love Lost. I'm you, down with You that. and I, we, you know, we share it's a brave new world. We share tubby times, and we, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we, 
I timed that. <laughs> little just, do little do audience members know we're actually in the tub together <laughs> while we're doing this recording. In, in, <laughs> in the tub with the fear of God. Um, so, but, <laughs> oh my goodness. no audience members also don't the bath the bath of God. <laughs> Wow. 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 <laughs> That's called wow. the flood. Um so oh, oh, but, um, man. no, this is it's not all gonna be like this, guys. It's not all gonna be like this. <laughs> no, it probably um, it probably <laughs> Um but uh no, so obviously Lost is a very important show to to my family, my wife and I and um and uh then with how much I adored the leftovers, so Lindelof has I mean he already kinda had me with Lost, but now the the one two punch of Lost and Leftovers now virtually any project he is involved with with that heavily I am going to want to um, to see. I know there's been some ambivalence about some of the films he's been directly involved with and honestly I share some of that ambivalence. Um, like I like World War Z but I don't love it. I like Prometheus quite a bit but I don't love it. Um, so in ter- but in terms of like long form projects like TV shows and stuff like that I'm going to be on board for pretty much anything. So when I heard he was doing Watchmen um, kind of the material was irrelevant. He was the driving yeah. force for me. So yeah. Sure. Yeah, so I'll, I'll check Interestingly, it out. Interestingly Interestingly, this is not my what you're watching or reading or listening to. I did want to share that real quick since time is getting away from us. So I um, occasionally will reference on being episodes, the NPR podcast with uh, Krista Tippett. And I was mowing the grass the other day. And that's usually where if I'm not listening to you and I, um, (laughs) I will listen to an on being. And I want to encourage you uh to check this out uh so our listeners by proxy perhaps may take an interest as well so it's a it's a wild time in our world and in our country Mm. and as a person of faith trying to navigate these wild waters um it can be challenging at times to maintain one's sanity and 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 faith (laughs) to be frank yeah um in in directly in response to the level of divisiveness and polarization and so you can imagine my interest when one of the more recent episodes the title is how friendship and quiet conversation transformed a white nationalist whoa and honestly the white nationalist part is a little incidental what really made me take a listen was how friendship and quiet conversation transform anyone. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. And dude, it is, it's about, it's a, it's about these two guys from Florida Well, they went to school in Florida together. I couldn't quite discern how old they are now. I probably, if I did a little more research, it's, it's available, but the guy's names are Derek black and Matthew Stevenson. Well, Matthew Stevenson is an Orthodox Jew and Derek black. I believe, I hope I don't have them flip-flopped here but um derek is the godson of david duke oh wow and so they both are attending this university in florida i don't remember exactly where and the the campus sort of finds out about derek's connections Mm. about Mm -hmm. who he is after like kind of deep into a semester already so he's present on campus visible to people all of a sudden through some random whatever he gets out members of the yeah yeah yeah. matthew stevenson an orthodox jew of whom much of derek's upbringing and history and associations would venomously denigrate as white nationalists matthew invites him to shabbat dinner Mm. 
And for two years, he goes. And the whole interview is about what it looks like to engage in real, tangible, as the title suggests, friendship and quiet conversation in an effort of transformation. Yeah, yeah. And dude, there was this powerful moment. Like I'm mowing the grass and late in the conversation, I think, yeah, Krista asks them like, what, how, how, how do you apply this? How does someone listening to your story practically apply this in their life? Yeah. And read, knowing where we've sort of been in terms of our conversations of the last three or four weeks, there was one word that Matthew, the Orthodox Jew, echoed loudly, and that was empathy. Mm. Wow. And he wow. said, you, you, can't, you can't transform. You can't build these bridges. You can't, you will only ever be at a distance if you don't learn how to empathize with someone who not only is different than you, right, right. but may, in, but may in fact have your worst, uh, uh, end in mind. Oh man. And they talk is very interesting. They talk at length about how there is a place for the social media interactions. Yeah. Yeah. But how little actual work gets done in those spaces. Mm, mm-hmm that it is in the real act of friendship and conversation that people are transformed. Yes. Yes. I don't know, man. It was really powerful. Um, you know, someone might listen to it and think, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I just think if you kind of dig in on the themes and ideas they're talking about, it is hard to walk away, not challenged and moved and inspired and sort of ready to, enter the fray again, as it were. So yeah, anyway, sure. that was, um, that is my, what you watch and read and listening to. Um, I don't feel like singing it out. I know. right? It's like, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, nice. That's nice. Um, so pivoting out of that, um, it is time yeah. read to plug back into our series. This is the third of, I believe maybe five or six. Um, It'll probably series be and yeah. and we need read oh we got to ring oh. the bell on each other ring the we bell got to hard and heavy you, you can yes. you can you can ring my bell ring my bell yeah see you like that <laughs> yeah it always it always comes so, back to singing <laughs> yeah matt murray i guess this is a shout out you ding dong <laughs> uh speaking of bells call call the call this out <laughs> on facebook because yeah. Like idiots, the two hosts of the show didn't do enough research to know the error of their ways. It's true. And we'd already recorded two episodes, so we couldn't really change it. Yes. Uh, though I did think after the fact it would have been really funny if you had dropped in so that it just, there was like this odd, this such and such and blah, blah, blah. And uh, right. You know, like this, <laughs> this, this inserted audio that changed the thing. So what we're getting <laughs> no, at okay. here is we grossly erred on the part of our series as namesake. Yes. Uh, he is not, in fact, uh, Jason Bloom. He nope. is Jason Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the J is silent. It's Hassan. Oh, okay. Bloom. Hassan Bloom. Yes. That makes more sense. Um, so, no, it, he is actually Jason Blum. Yes. Blum. Jason like the plum, Blum. like the 
late 90s, mid 90s CCM band featuring lead singer Tiffany Arbuckle. So we will now be hashtag candy coated water drops. You like that? That is some roundabout Shinto right there. That is some, that is like going around. You know, when they say you go around your elbow to get to your butt or your hand or I don't know what I have never in my life heard you've heard that before you've heard that before go around my elbow to scratch my butt what are you talking about no (laughs) (laughs) no that's there's some there's some actual colloquialism buried in the garbled mess I just said I'll Um, look that one up I've never heard that yeah yeah go around your butt to get to your elbow go around your elbow to get your butt I don't know something like that something like that um anyway Jason Blum is the correct name so you know yeah, uh, uh, we are. I think we, we have should egg just, on our face. I, I think we should just be bold and just keep the same hashtag and just be. That doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't make any sense, but just like consider the Blums. I mean, we could always try to, you know, hashtag Man. hashtag Blumpty Dumpty or hashtag. Wow, I don't know. Blum stupid is what we were. I get. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we are revisiting the work of Jason Blum yes. of Blumhouse pictures yes blumhouse, blumhouse pictures studio. uh Bl- blumhouse productions blumhouse? we yes. suck what blumhouse productions okay yeah. so yes <laughs> something. We, do, something so okay so so yes we suck but uh something that i neglected <laughs> to something that i neglected to mention the last two episodes is that when you came out for halloween horror nights we actually walked through the oh, blumhouse did. maze itself we I, I, I can't believe it took us this long to reference or remember that because we actually saw pre- before we had seen the movie I've, I've i've buried it deeply so it would take <laughs> me a while to reconture it before we saw the movie we actually had uh, you know seen a little uh, sort of pre- quasi preview of happy death day because we got to see some of the right the, you know interiors of that and i think the ghost uh, face baby yeah and sinister was was in there uh, yes with good old bagul um i think that is yeah and insidious was there yeah exactly so uh yeah i think hawk ethan hawk came out yeah he did he was right there and uh you know (laughs) he bandaged my wounds after you shoved me through a wall um so so, uh he's a real friend (laughs) he's so he's such a guy that guy um so uh but yeah no so sincerely uh our apologies to listeners for the last two episodes of uh consider the we kept calling it consider the blooms but uh but he's really jason blum so but uh we are talking today as if you didn't have any idea what tubby time meant we're talking about (laughs) google it yeah no really don't i don't know what you're gonna find please don't do that Please don't do that. The worst part would be if they Google it and then share it in the Facebook group. Don't do that. Oh, don't, no. Don't do that. No, 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 Don't do that. That would be off to a really rocky start. But no. Yeah. Um, so we are talking about the Patrick Bryce directed. Um, Patrick Patrick. Dry- Pactic- <laughs> we can't consider even get. The, consider the dummies. Yeah. You can't, we can't even get the name Bloom right. We were Blum right, you know. <laughs> So how do we expect to go Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce? You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> these are, these are, these are escaping. I thought it was Mark Duples. Oh my gosh. Why can't people just be named, you know, Smith and Jones and Brown wow. and all, those, all that wow. other good stuff? No. So, but seriously, uh, Patris, Patrick Bryce gets uh, credit as director, but Bryce and Duplass get credit for writing. Um, we'll probably go a little bit more into that uh, during Trivial Bits, but um, Creep. Uh, you can find this on Netflix. I believe Netflix bought it exclusively, though it did premiere at a 
film festival in Seattle, I believe. Uh, I need to look that up to verify that. But it did premiere before, you know, Netflix did not produce it, but Netflix did acquire, I believe, exclusive rights to it. So it is available on Netflix, but it's a Blumhouse, Blumhouse production. Oh. Boy, that is that is going to be hard for me to get used to because do you know yeah. how long I have erroneously called it Blumhouse? That is going to be so difficult to say. Um, long enough. So, long enough. Uh, so, but Blumhouse Productions made Creep a... In- incredibly different kind of film. Now, you actually were the one who, you know, we we were doing this series and we needed to decide what to do next. And this is one that you actually sort of pushed us in the direction of. And when I, I think I had originally suggested it, but you were like, oh, let's, you know, let's do Creep. What did you think of well, Creep? <clears throat> the reason I pushed us towards Creep is most of the other Blumhouse motion pictures, I have some impression of you know i remember trailers even if i haven't seen it or i knew who was in it and so thus you know could derive a certain kind of understanding of it creep i knew nothing about sure um did not watch a trailer dude this movie movie is jacked up and i will say i love mark duplass like I have been a fan of his for a couple of years now, not clearly so much a fan that I went and exhausted his catalog, but, um, gosh, he had a series on HBO Hmm. whose, whose name eludes me right now. Um, a marital show, which is actually a very difficult to watch marital show, but it was really well, it was really well written and acted anyway. So I, I enjoy his work. He's an interesting dude. He's talented. Uh, he and his brother Jay. So, but I didn't know anything about this movie. And so when you start the movie and just know the title right, and know he's in it and like him, <laughs> but have no clue what the tone oh, man. or content is, yes, it indeed. is, it is a bitter pill to get through this movie. No um, kidding. Because I really, I, no, I mean, I just, I really didn't know. And right, like right. I, I did, I didn't know. Uh, I think I had, I had the only thing I knew was something like, down on his luck filmmaker like i made oh, i think i saw wow. a phrase alluding to that and so that was the full knowledge of what i had going in oh so when gosh. you first meet duplus i'm like okay you know i mean clearly he's meant to be a little wacky but but had no clue where the movie was going i watched it by myself uh um, yeah where was that i feel like i was by myself in the house too i can't remember um i can't remember exactly but Dude, this movie is jacked up. Like, <laughs> yes, it, it is. really is. It really, really is. I have and, to make a passing comment. Yeah, uh, please. I hope I'm not derailing you too much. But as, no. ja- as jacked up as this movie is, so Creep 2 is also on Netflix. Right. And as jacked up as this movie is, Creep 2, uh, which is appropriate for sequels, is doubly so. Like, I Man. thought, hey, after we know what we know about this character, where could they possibly go for Creep right, 2? Right, right, right. Dude, uh, yeah. Creep 2 is doubly so uncomfortable, nerve-wracking. Uh, ev- the, everything amps up even further. And they've planned a trilogy. So I have no idea where they're going to go after Creep 2, which I know you haven't seen. But, oh, right. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's well, and what's interesting about the first film, again, knowing so little... Is that you just, you don't know how to take the character. And what I mean by that right. is you just like, okay, clearly it's categorically horror by virtue of just, you know, labeling. Um, it's called creep. But what does that really mean? You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. like how, how uh, off center are we talking here? And, and 
the movie, even still, like, through about halfway, you're still like, okay, this is weird. And clearly the, I can't remember the, the film, Joseph, clearly yeah. Joseph's character, you're like, okay, you need to get out of the situation, but we aren't really privy to just how messed up. Sure. Um, oh, of course. Uh, how, how messed up his character is. Yeah. And I like some good dark humor as much as the next person. And so when actually probably a little more uh, than the next person, <laughs> but at the five minute mark or seven minute mark, when Duplass comes in from his run and he's in his jeggings and he's like, all right, I'm going to go get in the tub. Yes. Inviting him to follow him. I was like, uh, what are we watching? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I love how, like, especially in that moment, because he's as much talking to the viewer as he is talking to Aaron, the character that Patrick Bryce plays. Right, right. Um, but when he looks at him, he's like, oh, we're going to go. Oh, is Joseph. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, Joseph so and Aaron. I said Joseph a minute ago. Is Duplus yeah. Joseph? Duplus is Joseph. Yes, And then yes, Patrick okay. Bryce plays yes, Aaron. Yes, yes. Um, But when he's getting in that tub and he's about to completely disrobe and then he looks at him and he goes, oh, we're going to go deeper places than this. And and, it's, right. and I remember thinking the first time I watched it, I was like, what am I in for? Like, what is this film? I knew it was brief. You know, you can see how long the film is when you pull it up. But I was like, okay, this is only an hour and 17 minutes or so. But I was like, where are where are we going? And I think that's the I think that's what's interesting about the film is that it's gripping by virtue of the fact that you really don't know what you're in store for. You know, you're in store for some sort of bizarreness and possibly scariness. But the, the film doesn't really telegraph anything. Well, and this is uh, could make for an interesting, uh, you know, B-side fear of God conversation about marketing and film advertising. Like there's something so great about the purity of a fresh viewing of a thing with no real impression. Like, sure. For, and what I mean by that is even moments at the top from a scripting standpoint, this is smart. So when um, Joseph is fresh from his run and he's trying to explain to Aaron falsely but he explains to him wanting to record this for posterity for his unborn son buddy um right hey, buddy. buddy hey buddy yeah yeah <laughs> exactly. well well he cites the michael keaton nicole kidman movie my life which is a really <laughs> lovely movie yes and so from a pure scripting standpoint you are if you don't know anything which i didn't it it has that effect of like oh that is kind of heartwarming you know that sure yeah, these yeah, yeah yeah heartwarming feelings but then he's like all right i'm gonna go get in the tub you know like okay what who what are we dealing with here you know yeah. oh, and yeah. and because mark duplass is so great as an everyman mm -hmm. you are a little un you just don't know how to take it in the movie sure um, yeah of course because well he might be just a little quirky right but but we just don't know until right. we know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was a it was a jarring. It's one of those kind of movies that I don't know that I would, and probably never would watch again by myself. Mm. But I would almost be like, oh, okay, I'm with someone who hadn't seen it and they're interested in a scary movie. Like, hey, let's watch this. Uh, like, yeah, I would, yeah, I would sure. be open to watching it again just for that kind of yeah of experience. With if someone. only to see their reactions every time he. Screams at the camera, which happens like five oh or six gosh. times in the film. Yeah, and and it's like every single t the first viewing, every single time he does it, and even a couple of times through the second viewing, when he does that, it just it, it's so out of nowhere, and the volume is cranked up very high, and it's just like well, and like, oh, you know, this is gosh. jumping ahead to scares, but the final button on the movie, 
you know oh, the, that yes. terribly frightening scare scream into the uh camera like i yes. rose out of my seat not because i leapt but because i pooped in my pants <laughs> like i <laughs> it elevated you <laughs> right instant instant height you know instant. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh. oh man a little peach fuzz little oh peach my fuzz gosh well and speaking um, of peach fuzz good oh good lord gosh what a creepy that whole and i think there's no moment in the movie that has stayed with me more than the image of him at the doorway blocking mm. Aaron's way no i mean no oh, stop talking gosh it is so unnerving well this okay so this is what I, to 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 track back around to the whole marketing advertising thing. Like I know movies, especially big budget ones, which this is not for certain, but big budget ones, you have to make a certain amount of money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Avengers Infinity War, everyone in the world sees it. And <laughs> half who don't have been snapped out of existence. But, <clears throat> um, you know, a movie like this and most uh, horror movies benefit from your lack of knowledge. Sure. Um, yeah. As a viewer. And so there's just something so fascinating because again, like what's fascinating about this movie is it is the, the, the frog in the pot. <laughs> you are coming up with all these colloquialisms that I have no idea. What the, it's you the know, frog in the, the pot. The, the frog in the pot where you turn the water on and oh, is it going to boil? Know. You know, I, I like mean, I do understand what you're talking about. <laughs> That you put a frog in cold water, right, right, and, right, and right. then turn it up. But who decided for the image that it had to be a frog? Is it just because they could survive in the water? I, don't I, don't, know. I think it is a is an actual reality. I don't think that's a like I know well, it became right. a phrase, but like I think it's just that because frogs will do that. And Whatever, that's not a real thing. I think that is it's true. Like, it's, I know. I'm just, I'm just playing with you. Um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'm like I'm not about to debate. <laughs> um, right, right. A, no, no. I'm that one a, time you read that 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 you know paper about the scientists. Putting I'm not the frog a zoologist. I don't know about frogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so this movie is a perfect example of the frog in the pot, where you you are the frog and you're on the pot. The movie is the pot. Like it keeps turning up, and you don't sense it. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. You don't sense yeah. it. You're like because. Even Peach Fuzz, as effing freaky as that thing is, the first time you see it, mm-hmm. like your mm-hmm. instinct is no. Yep. Your yep. instinct is to be like, no, thank you. I'm gonna, <laughs> I should turn this off um, <laughs> yes. right now. Like that's the yes. gut feeling. But because you're the frog in the pot, you're like, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. it's for a buddy. Are they it's for to- buddy. And he's doing this funky little dance that his dad did for him. Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah. And, and-, and so you're like, okay, now I've normalized Peach Fuzz. Oh. Which is like, which is like the worst out of context sentence ever. And, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and and I think what's so brilliant about the film is that until you you kind of understand what where Aaron's head is at in terms of like, okay, this guy's clearly a weirdo, right? Um, but until I mean, we're we're already kind of alluding to things. We should probably just go ahead and and spoil the whole thing. But until what happens happens, you don't realize just how dangerous this man is. Like, because because you meet 
any variety of quirky people. I'm a quirky person, you know, like you meet, (laughs) but it's like you meet people that are just like, okay, you've got quirks. You've got some, some, a little oddity. You're, you're obsessive. Yeah. Eccentricities. You're, you're, (laughs) you're obsessive about these things or you have to have things in a particular way or you're a little socially awkward or something like that. No, you know, no big deal. Um, and then maybe a little obsessive, maybe a little too like, you know, attached or aggressive or whatever, but it's like your brain doesn't automatically go to, uh, axe wielding serial killer, like like it's it's right. it's just really the film has that effect on you, and we'll talk about this when we get more into themes. But you know, your mention you referenced earlier the big gigantic scream that happens that's terrifying in its own right, but also the thing that is super chilling and utterly creepy to you know call out the name of the film is what Joseph says to the camera before that big scream. When he's, you know, when he's talking about why he loves Aaron and why Aaron will always be his favorite and all that. Do you remember that moment? Because you're good. You're yeah. good. Well, yeah. because you're good and, and you didn't suspect anything in me and, and all this other. It's just like, oh, my yeah. gosh, that is a creepy, creepy phrase. Well, um, and to 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 rudely cut you off there, uh, you alluded this a second ago. In quick summary, listener, if you aren't going to watch this movie, uh, Aaron, the filmmaker, responds to this Craigslist ad to document some guy's sort of story. So he responds to it, shows up at his house. Um, it is Joseph, played by Mark Duplass, who basically says, hey, here's a thousand bucks. I'm going to give this to you up front. I just want you to leave the camera on for, what, like 12 hours or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... And and it just gets weird from there. And the the frog in the pot scenario takes hold where mm-hmm. every kind of five minutes, the dial turns up just a little bit in terms of the weird factor. But you just aren't even as a viewer like Aaron is your um, is meant to be that viewer sort of persona yeah. where the surrogate. even he's like, well, I, you know, OK, you're weird. But now you've talked me back down from walking away kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets. Ultimately, you do realize that Joseph is not just weird and eccentric he is a killer and he has sort of set this whole stage and and kills aaron at least from a filmmaking standpoint in an astonishingly astonishingly terrible fashion um that's very jarring and yes. i mean even pure imagery like yes. i can see that i can see that moment in my head right now and it oh, scares yeah. the doo-doo out of me oh I, yeah I just, I just happened again <laughs> <laughs> I thought you I thought you rose up. I thought you had to leave or something. No, so honestly, like this and that's what's episode. so that's what's so awful about it is that you're sitting there, I don't know about you, but you watch a horror film and it's a, almost a cliche at this point. You watch a horror film, you're watching the protagonist or you're watching a, you know, a potential victim. Uh the threat is behind them and you're sitting there like Turn around, turn around, like uh, turn around and look, turn around and 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 that's where your kind of mind goes. When I saw that moment, when he finally, I mean, yeah, when he finally kills Aaron and Aaron is just sitting there staring out at the water and he very calmly steps up, puts on the peach fuzz. We keep referencing peach fuzz. Peach fuzz is a wolf mask, a very horrific looking wolf mask. And so Joseph puts on peach fuzz and then picks up the axe that whole time. I don't think the first time, the first viewing, I don't think I once thought instinctively turn around. I thought what is he going to do? Right, right. I was curious more than anything else. So then when he finally, and I was like, what is he, what is, what is about to happen? So and then he, thud. Yeah. And so when he finally drives that into Aaron's head, I was like, oh, what did I just see? And, and it's, yeah, the, the whole thing, the whole effect of it all, even though we've described it, hence, you know, somewhat spoiled it. If you watched it still, even now and never having seen it, it is 
terribly effective and it is really unnerving and alarming it is yeah it is awful let's <laughs> this is a random on my likes dislikes so my wife and i just had our master bathroom remodeled and that's a super random thing to incorporate here but um it's cost us a lot of money and we had a little bit a very twinge slightest twinge of buyer's remorse because you know grout in a bathroom it's the the stuff between the yes. tiles you know mm-hmm. well the company didn't do a great job on the grout and yeah you know you kind of you kind of noticed it and so anyway when during tubby time in creep <laughs> uh in the background i thought man those grout lines are so clean and straight uh. <laughs> You're yeah, like, I'll go. I'll go take that job I, just to see what the job they did on the ground. right. Right, I, that's that is what I <laughs> oh thought during that movie. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the one one small bit. Of, I mean, we're bouncing all over the place in terms of format, but one one thing uh, trivially that you can kind of feel from the movie, but I looked up to verify um, is, of course, the entire thing was created through improvisation, and it was all. I do think if I have any ding. Occasionally, those scenes do show a little bit. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get the feel. Even like, there's no way the the style and tone of this was meticulously scripted. Like, this, sure, it sure. just it just doesn't have that flavor. And so, yeah, it was all created through improvisation to the degree. And man, I would love to see this to the degree that it said that they because it's really just the two of them. I mean, the 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 person portraying Aaron is also the director so it was so it was really just the two of them doing this uh kind of on their own and so they would do multiple versions of a specific scene different iterations do we want to take it here do we want to take it there and i would be i would be immensely fascinated to just see some of the alternate versions of some scenes like where did it you know i would love if there was a a dvd or a blu-ray out there that had like mountains of little alternate takes of things um i would be fascinated to see some of the places we went because these two do just have some more peach fuzz dancing Ugh, no 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 but these but no guys, you're yeah go ahead i'm sorry no it's just gonna say that because these guys do have a lot of chemistry i mean they're friends in real yeah. life and so yeah uh, they have a profound amount of chemistry and so it's, it's interesting to watch them on on screen even as the, the whole scenario is kind of unnerving and uncomfortable um it is fascinating to watch and yeah i, I was impressed by that fact this is the the kinds of films that are typically called mumblecore, where like improvisation uh, fuels the script itself, not like a you know the Christopher Guest material, which are the comedies that are created through improv, um, but this kind of idea where oh we're going to create the whole story through improvisation, a very naturalistic feel. Those typically frustrate me more than I enjoy them, but this was one of the rare cases where it 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 felt completely interesting to me almost the entire way through, and um, yeah. Yeah, I was just I was impressed that that they were able to pull it off. Yeah. Well, and and part of that is is paid by the the runtime. You know, if it had been much I, longer, I agree. Yes. You know, it would have started to stretch sort of plausibility or or even watchability. Maybe I do agree. Um, I was about to throw in a comment when I apologies to you, Reed, that I jumped in rather rudely there, but um, it is a scare. So if if you're okay to pivot that direction, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um. So what I was going to say is. You know, the initial peach fuzz scene is a little unnerving. The second peach fuzz scene is devastatingly scary. Um, yep. The one you referred to of him blocking the door. And it's not just Terrifying. that that moment is scary. It's the it's the running off camera moment. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's very scary when he's there, and I think Aaron encourages him to get out of the way, and he just shakes his head with no audible sound. Yes. That's scary as crap. Well, then, when he just darts off camera, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um. And you're like, what just happened? To be found. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was a great conceit because you're like, what, what just what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. And then it cuts to Joseph sans peach fuzz mask, like burying something in the woods. And so you're like, what's he what's he burying? What is this? Oh, right. And, right. and this That's is what I thought him. was what I thought was pretty brilliant is so it, it cuts to him burying something in the woods. And then the camera flips around and it's Aaron who is fine and apparently got away. And he even says, he says, I got away, you know, I had my car towed, I just ran. And and then he says, but then Joseph found me and mailed me this footage of him digging and burying garbage bags full of something in the woods. And so the next maybe 15 to 20 minutes are Aaron at home in constant sort of dread that right. Joseph is going to continue to come after him. And there's a couple of really effective sequences where like he's hearing noises at night and all yeah. this other kind of stuff. It's, it, and it in case it's pivot. unclear, it is a found footage film. We, we have not yes. explicitly yes. stated that. But um, to a degree, like what? the like we've spoken about with the visit, I think it's the kind of found footage film that does not annoy me because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. every yeah. single scene has a reason why there's a camera on this event. And that's one of the things that has bugged me typically about found footage films is a lot of them, the lesser films, I keep wondering, like, why are you still filming? This is not a moment that you would normally be filming. This is something you're filming to just show us, you know. But the but in this instance, this is actually like, oh, no, th- there is a reason why they would be filming this or they're talking directly to the camera or something. So it's... It, it, those who would say like, oh, it's a found footage film. I don't want to watch it. I would still encourage you. It's um, it's interesting. Don't discount it just because it's a found footage film because it's no, very effective. not at all. Yeah, I've got one or two other scares, but they could they could pivot us towards themes. What what else do, would you oh. like to say about scary um, stuff? No, I mean, I think I've, I think I pretty much says it said it. We've referenced Peach Fuzz, the general tone of the film, uh, Mark Duplass's commitment to the character, and boy, you want to talk about commitment? Uh, there, I keep referencing it, but there is a scene in Creep Two that I'm like, well, you do not get more committed as an actor than that scene. <laughs> You, there's not like there is no there's you have to go completely to this other place of like okay i'm going to be this character uh i won't describe it here for the for the listeners but uh yeah mark duplass is fully committed to this joseph character and it's very effective as a result but also very creepy hence the title um but yeah i think i've said my piece um i think the last technical scare is what i wrote down is just the lakeside shot yeah yeah uh listeners so if you haven't watched the movie joseph duplass's character invites reed alluded a minute ago to this final video joseph invites aaron via a video he sends him um and he he sort of just is effusive about how much he loves aaron and and you know you're good you're you accept me for who i am all these sort of platitudes he foists upon him and invites him to meet with him at this lake and it's i mean the impression you get is like a park essentially a public park yeah yeah. well then the last shot i'm referring to is this wide shot so again it's found footage so there's no intentional close-ups no cut-ins or anything like that it's just this wide shot meant to be aaron filming having set up the camera in his car intending you're not going to get away with anything i'm going to have you on film if you try anything well, Aaron is sitting at a bench looking out 
on over this lake. And again, it's a wide shot. And from the right side of the screen in walks Joseph in a trench coat. And he just walks up to behind the bench, this very placid lake sort of scene. Joe's uh, Aaron is just looking out over the lake slowly. Joseph removes the peach fuzz mask from beneath the trench coat and puts it on. And you're like, okay, this is, this is kind of creeping me out. Yeah. Then he, he furls the trench coat back and is it's revealed. He has an ax under the trench coat. And this is all just, I mean, this is just one shot from afar. I'd I'd actually be kind of curious how they pulled it off, but, and then he hoists the ax above his head and swings it down with a thud into Aaron's skull, who then slumps over and Joseph walks off screen. And then the very last bit of this scene, you're sort of arrested by what you've just seen. And so your guard is kind of down because the scary thing just happened. Sure. Yeah, of course. You know, the scary thing just happened. So your kind of nerves are a bit raw. You're not anticipating anything else occurring in the scene. A few seconds pass of this placid moment with a slumped over Aaron body with an ax in the skull. And then Mark Duplass's face enters this enters the foreground of the camera and screams at you and it's oh. it is devastating it is a yes. devastating yes. moment well and but before a uh, d- d- uh, quick clarification before yeah. that before that scream happens so yeah you see the moment is there something else I can't there is yeah 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 so so the the moment happens aaron is dead and I I agree. I mean, I have to imagine. I mean, movie magic is an incredible thing, even on low budget and uh, sort of guerrilla filmmaking projects like this. But yeah, I mean, you watch Aaron. It's a continuous shot. You watch right. Aaron leave the car, walk down to the bench, sort of settle in, look behind him once, all this other sort of stuff. And the shot never edits or cuts as he's sitting there and then you know, right up to his death, which I'm like, how in the world did they pull that off? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I can think of a couple of ways it might be possible, but I'm still like, wow. But when he does that and Joseph's character walks off, you do see that, that real placid lake scene, but that's when Joseph turns the camera around and you realize that Joseph is watching Aaron's video that he took. So he's watching okay, the video okay. and, yeah, and that's that when insert. he, yeah. And that's when he sort of speaks to Aaron, uh, who is, you know, now posthumously. Dead. Yeah. Posthumously. And so he speaks to Aaron and tells him, he's like, you were good. You know, I forget the exact whole okay. speech, but he says you, he said, what I love about you is that it didn't matter all the stuff that I had done to you. Everything I did to you, it didn't matter. You still showed up because you were good and you, still trusted me and that is that is a horrifying thought that is a really really terrifying thought and the fact that he would go and seemingly feel that aaron would go to this rendezvous and seemingly feel protected i mean it's just yeah it's it's an unnerving thing and and joseph even calls it out he said why did you not once turn around like why did you never turn around right right look at me and uh and yeah and so then uh, Joseph is giving this whole big speech, you know, you're good. And that's why you will always be my favorite. And then he says, this is terrifying. Cause then he says, you will always be my favorite of them all. And it's like, right. Oh uh, yeah. my gosh. And then that's when he turns back the camera or, you know, turns back our viewing camera to the image of the lake scene. It lingers for like four or five minutes. Well, not that long, but you know, it lingers for at least a few seconds. And then 
his face comes in and screams and then he turns the camera around and screams at you again it's like all the screaming and oh, you're, you're probably screaming and it's a terrifying terrifying note to go out on it's not the very final shot of the film but it is a terrifying sort of narrative note to end on um i just had this like crazy idea enter my head you you said you referenced where joseph says why didn't you turn around and you could almost see an alternate ending there where the placid moment lingers it lingers it lingers joseph is there and aaron does turn around and sees him and it turns into this weirdo chase right there at the bench with him still finishing him off with the axe like i could see both versions having some effectiveness yeah oh absolutely Absolutely. i mean i I don't disagree what is present is probably the stronger choice but i could also see that sort of alternate take too yeah absolutely um i think the last sort of scare i have that sort of walks right through the door of theme is like (laughs) what i wrote down just says the whole premise (laughs) um yeah and your comment just then reminding me and alerting listeners to the dialogue there of because you're good and you trusted me and dude like i don't know i actually what i wrote down is i'll take ancient death mirrors over peach fuzz any day (laughs) Like, yes, I agree. Because at least an ancient death mirror feels like a bit of an escapist horror. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Reed. Like I, I am. This is this is going to I'll say the sentence and then I can unpack it some. What I thought was, is there legitimate room for this kind of story right now? And I, I don't hmm. know the answer to that question. Interesting. And I don't mean that as in like no one should make these movies. And, no, I understand. Oh, this yeah. is you evil people. But and I don't want to linger on this conversation for the moment, but as a talking point, as a quick drive by, there's a very real conversation happening in our culture right now about mental illness. Oh, sure. You know? And so there's that kind of component. Um, now again, I haven't seen the second film, so I don't know how it fleshes out the character and, and asserts or reinvents his kind of persona and motives, but based purely on this first one, I will just throw some stories out and then let you pick up the baton and run where you want. So on this notion of creeps. So I've had the thought for a while of making this like big public announcement because that's what I do. And I think people care about my big public announcements, but (laughs) so my wife and I just moved, we just bought a new house and that's exciting. And I'm recording right now in my, it is not new whatsoever, but my brand new to me garage that's detached garage and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's in a more traditional kind of neighborhood setting than where we were previously. And are you familiar where you're at with next door? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say next door? Next the door. App? I mean, no, okay, not well, the app. There's, no. Okay. No. There's an app called next door. Well, next door is where people in neighborhoods, it's like a social media for your neighborhood. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so, People will recommend contractors. People will say, hey, you know, somebody's dog is in my yard. And the person will be like, oh, that's my dog. Thanks. You know, just this it's oh. neighborhood based conversation. Wow. Well, like this is part confession. Like I'm not defending these feelings, but I have this really weird. It's it's really ironic that we're recording about this movie today because I had this really weird experience today. Like I like to think I was going to say I like to play at, but I don't think I'm like faking it. I like to think I'm pretty confident in my parenting and in my capacity to protect my children in a general sense. 
But I had these, this experience today where I was like really unnerved. So, (laughs) so this really lovely thing happened where in this new neighborhood we're in, um, we've been here for about four days. The immediate neighbors have introduced themselves and it's an older couple and they brought us dinner and that was really nice. But beyond that, we haven't really met any neighbors yet. Well, at about five o'clock this evening, four 30, this little gaggle of children, it was really lovely. Like really this really lovely picture, this little gaggle of children come walking up the driveway. Okay. Because they knew through just through observation, I suppose that new kids were in the neighborhood and it's there's this group from across the street. So my wife and I go out and we meet the parents there and we let some of the, we let our kids play in the yard with these other kids mm-hmm. for a few minutes, actually probably close to 45 minutes or so. And like, I, again, this is confession. This is not defending. I had Reed walking away from letting my child play in this yard. I had an, on, on a scale of one to a hundred, it was probably a five. But nonetheless, when you don't, ex- don't, aren't used to experiencing these things, I had like a five on a scale of 100 panic attack. Oh. I really had this, this powerful, like, I'm not sure how I feel about what is ostensibly an extremely safe scenario for my kid to be in. Mm. Mm-hmm. I went home, Reed, like this, is, this is so weird. I don't do things like this. I don't know if it's because my kids are getting older and we're now we're in this new living arrangement and new living environment. And so I'm more kind read. I went and looked up the sex offender registry for hmm. my city and surrounding area. Yeah. Yeah. One, if you don't have kids, like don't ever look up the sex offender registry. No, no. thank you. It is like I spent two minutes on this thing, learned there was no one in my immediate vicinity, which was very heartening. But a, a couple of neighborhoods over, there were some and they're little pins like you can ding on these pins and read the thing. No, read like two minutes mm-hmm. and, and I'm in tears. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 So these things. So then this this happened, read within a 45 minute span of time. Like my oldest is across the street at these new neighbors yard playing with these new kids. Beautiful scenario. Right. Like new welcoming sort of gaggle of kids comes to invite our kids over to play. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. I walk away back to the house, having this weird feeling internally, go look up this sex offender registry thing, learn, okay, these people are not on it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, I'm not, no, I get it. I'm I'm prone. I'm prone to jokes, but I'm not joking. Like you, no, I get it. it, Yeah. I had that feeling. Um, Well, then I go looking on next door just to kind of, cause next door will ship. If you've registered on next door, like I, as someone who has registered on next door can see other people around my neighborhood who have, and you can see like what they post and what they comment on, how long they've been in the neighborhood, all this sort of stuff. Sure, well, so I go sure. on next door and you can also see posts and conversations. There is some weirdo about a neighborhood over that all of a sudden I start seeing all these posts about this is a really random diatribe or, or, or rabbit trail. I understand that, but it's going to, it's swinging back around. There's this dude, this 40 something guy, a neighborhood over who will harass women drivers in what? the, in the area. And he has been 
call the cops have been called on him multiple times. Like I saw one post about him and then someone made reference to it being a repeat thing. And so I just, I next door, like the, the equivalent of Googling, but in next door, you just do a search right, for the right. name over the course of like two years. There's like half a dozen different posts oh of gosh. this same guy, uh, trolling up behind in his car, trolling up behind drivers, like kind of reckless driving towards drivers with drivers, like video camera ing. This I net I didn't make this connection till the second videoing, just drivers. Oh no! Right, and I'm like, why do we live in this world? Yeah, oh, I am not yeah. cool with <laughs> this stuff. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And my soft heart towards the world gets beat to death by not knowing what to do with the creeps. Yeah, of course. I understand. I understand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I will, I am the person who will be, I will give the benefit of the doubt to the murderer. I'm like, but hang on y'all. There's a story here that we don't know. You know what I mean? Mm, like right, that's, right, I, right. that's my mm-hmm. typical position towards scenarios. But then you have these, when it really start, and maybe, maybe the confession I keep referring to is simply when it starts actually impacting you, I don't know what to do with it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm really just, I'm really just running off at the mouth here and just like, these are the things this movie makes me think like I, I can, I can intellectually watch this movie and engage it as a horror movie and kind of have some fun with it. Mm -hmm. But then when you click into the reality of it, I'm like, um, this isn't cool. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, right, right, right. Of course. Well, give me a magic. Give me an ancient mirror. Go ahead. I think. I no, 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 no. You're fine. I think what we're what we're dealing with here, and I would be very similar. It is easier, and I would say this without a moment's hesitation. It is easier to go in and minister to prisons than it is to minister to strangers, because with prisons, you know what you're dealing with. You know you're dealing with a murderer. You know right. you're dealing with a thief. You know you're dealing with whatever it is that you have in front of you. But in this scenario or in the scenarios you're describing that's precisely the point you don't know and so because you don't know you don't know how guarded to be you don't know whether you should just cast down all armament and be open-armed and welcoming or if you should be very wary and very uh discerning and very guarded and and careful so i used to be uh listeners may or may not know this but for an extended period of time uh i'm not at the moment but not out of any sort of break with the church or anything i'm just i'm just taking a uh a if you want to call it a sabbatical a break a breather whatever it is um but i used to be in a lot of active ministry i was a college pastor for a number of years i've uh been a youth minister before i've been a, a music minister before don't need my whole resume but i've been in scenarios where when you're in that type of situation, people will approach you and they will want your assistance, your counsel, your guidance, something like that. And occasionally someone will enter that nexus that you're like, all of the red flags start going off. Right, right. And you're like, my king has compelled me to see the divine spark in everyone and I need to treat everyone with respect and courtesy and every siren in my whole being is sure. going off being and it and it is not just about being weird. I can handle weird all day long. I'm weird. I can I can I can sit with weird. There is some sort of unnerving sensibility that arises and and Nathan and I have been in uh, listeners do not need the whole scenario and honestly it would probably be slightly disrespectful for me to give the entire scenario but there have uh, been two separate instances two very 
very specific separate instances that maybe off mic I'll tell you about where I have been in a scenario where all of those sirens went off and then something happened. And in one of those scenarios, I was in for a moment, I still believe, very real physical danger in that in that moment that I was in. I got out of it relatively unscathed. But uh, I have been in those scenarios where it's like, yes, all the sirens were going off and those to a degree they were validated both of those instances the individuals in which i was in the scenario with eventually both of them eventually did prison term wow. for for violent behaviors and so I, it's it it is we don't i mean you said it in your watch and read and listening to like empathy is such a crucial vital point for both of us and we give what i would say would be more than lip service we have given more than lip service before about don't live recklessly but now i think when we get into a scenario like this an imagination like this we have to really come to terms with what we mean by that what we what we actually think are the mm, boundaries yeah, yeah. and and where we think the lines are drawn and and i think ultimately and, and I deeply believe this. I think if you are living a faithful, integrated life, and what I mean by that to non-believers or to Christians of a particular uh, denomination, what I mean by that is if you are actively trying to stay aware, keep your eyes, your ears, and your heart open, then I do think you have this sort of sense of where you should go and where you should stay away from. And I think that it really just comes down to trying to listen and be attentive to those kinds of things. Every once in a while, you take a uh, you feel the compulsion to make a friend of a stranger who might be a little off putting to other people. And maybe that turns out well. Maybe you understand them in a sense and maybe they come out of their shell and there's a different context for everybody. We'd love for that to happen. And sometimes you'll approach the scenario and you'll say, I feel distressed being right, in this scenario. Right, I feel right. distressed being in this conversation. And I do think that there should be very little judgment on people who feel those scenarios. Here's what I'll say. Um, I'm going to tread into some treacherous waters, but I'll try to do it as nuanced and as, as compassionate as I possibly can. And we are in the tub, so. Here it is, tubby time. Um <laughs> So we were I was having a conversation. We had a friend of ours who's moving to Portland and he's a dear friend of me, mine and my wife's. And he came over uh, just last night, as a matter of fact, to just hang out with us and talk. And um, and we just hung out and it was just, you know, three or four hours of just free flowing conversation. And one of the scenarios that came up was he talked about. Uh, he's quite a bit younger than us, but still kind of of the generation where he remembers being able to, as children, just leave your home and go play right. um, and not be afraid, you know, just just go for hours at a time right, where right. like you're, you we don't have cell phones, but we just leave the home and go run with the neighborhood kids and we'll be back by supper time. And that was really the scenario. Parents didn't have tabs on you or anything. And uh, we really and he was asking is like, we really don't live in that world anymore, do we? And I, as, I, as a parent, I was like, no, <laughs> there's no way. Uh, remotely in the near future that I will let my son go do that. I'll drive him over to a friend's house where he can play, <laughs> and then I will have an assigned time to go and pick him up from said friend's house. But I'm not just going to let him run out the door and go wander off to wherever he sees fit or to trot down to even a neighbor friend's house. So it's one of those things where we live in a very different climate, and we were asking ourselves why we live that way. And this brings me back around to Creep. Um, he was like, do you think that and, and my wife raised a very interesting and I think completely legitimate question. Is it that we hear more about the scenarios and we were just in the dark before, or is it actually happening more? 
Right. Um, do we? Is it just that these things always took place and it, it just wasn't national news, so we didn't know about it, or because of social media, at the click of a button, we find out what's going on in Oklahoma and Iowa the same day? Sure, you know, like sure. is is it just that thing? And I have this theory. I have a theory that I do think that we are just simply hearing about it more. But here's another theory that I have, and this is the potentially sticky situation. If you read uh, Stephen King's uh, wonderful essay, I'm not about to get into the gun conversation, but he has a wonderful essay about guns. And in it, he addresses the fact that in his uh, his very first novel that he wrote was about a school shooting and uh, several in in time, uh, a few a handful of school shooters have had his book on their person and there's always been this question of well did it cause this or not uh scream came under the we we talked about this in our episode on scream scream came under a similar scrutiny did it cause these kinds of murders and all this kind of thing and when i was postulating with my friend and with my wife i was saying i do think that we just hear about it more but i think because we hear about it more i do think it puts it more in the minds of people who might otherwise not have been prone to do that and i don't right. think that that that's necessarily the blame of movies or books or anything like that. I just think culturally, I think it is something that we're just more aware of now. And because we're more aware of it now, I think people who would eventually snap to the degree that they would do something heinous now have more to think about. They have more fuel on the fire, right. as it were. And I well, do think there's a chicken and egg argument that that could be had that I don't know is totally relevant. But I do think it is just sort of more in the ether for all of us collectively, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct that it is a both and. I mean, I think there is a way it's not that the that the bygone era is devoid of heinous crime right of course not it's that you didn't become aware of it in a split second and you were your your what happened between the walls of your home did not affect anything else and vice versa now we have 24/7 access to everyone's within the walls of everyone's home. Absolutely. Yes. And I thought about this recently, actually with believe it or not, kind of the white nationalism craze that's happening in our country right now of how, but this feeds into what you're saying. Like, is it did social media come first or did the rise of Serpentor come first? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that in a previous era, those who would have creep tendencies, it could dissipate because it was in isolation. It was mm-hmm. in a vacuum. It, sure. It right. didn't, it may have an occasional outlet in a, in a negative fashion, but it didn't steamroll. Mm-hmm. But because of the dark corners of the internet, I think there's a very real case to be made that 30, 40, maybe even 10 years from now, we will look at the internet as a severely, detrimental health hazard Mm. (laughs) social health hazard Mm. um even though you and i are using this right now to podcast um (laughs) i think there's a way that the darker corners of the internet pool what would have been isolated raindrops in a previous era into larger puddles and larger streams and larger lakes and larger oceans of this is a strong word of malevolence you know, mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. it creates a more monolithic force of sort of wickedness in the world, which 
is right, sounds right. very fantastical, but I don't know, man. I just, I think I know I can, I can individually as an individual, I can sort of deal spiritually with the ex cons and the bad person, quote unquote, and have a place for them in the kingdom. I don't know what to do with the creepers, you know, I know. Yeah. the sort of yeah. willful, the willful weirdos who, who played too many first person shooters. And I'm not blaming video games. I'm saying we are an aggregate of our experiences. And when you feed something too much, it will manifest. Yeah, um, of course. Who do these things? You know, you reference the guns. Part of my mild five on the hundred meter Richter scale today was I walked away from this house and I didn't tell my kid, hey, don't go in the house, just play outside. And I thought, I don't know if these people have guns. I don't own a gun. I don't want my kids around guns. You know what no, I mean? Like no, these things start yeah. cycling through your head. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think this is a bit separate from the film itself. But what I am describing too is that sort of panic inherent to just parenting. You know, mm-hmm. I, as a six foot two man can roll with most scenarios I'm going to encounter my delicate, fragile children aren't equipped for that. Right. Of and, course. And, and part because I don't want them to be, no, I don't of want course. you yeah. to have to deal with these things. Right. And, and, and you just really wrestle through like, Yeah. it's 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 really it's really really difficult and uh, i mean uh, i will because it's uh, because it's kind of on my mind i'll mention i'll mention this one thing and then we can maybe have an eye towards winding down i i think it's imperative that you show kindness courtesy dignity love respect to everyone regardless of whether or not you fear them I do think that that is sure. uh, an imperative, but it is one of those things where I do I do think a certain caution is called for, and it can be really easy for us to dismiss actual wisdom, wise caution, in the face of you know this this benevolence and this open hearted benevolence that we want to have towards all people and i also think i mean there's a oh boy there's a really sticky conversation that you could have about like hey uh those those people who have maybe grown up in a very i will i will call the cultural stigma racist to identify that if you grow up in a culture that tells you a certain race be they muslims black people, whatever it is that you, if you grow up hearing, well, that group of people because of their skin color are all like this fill in the blank, right? right. Then you're going to have, you're going to be saturated with a certain inherent fear there um, that I think is of hell and needs to be eradicated because it's not valid. It's not true. So there are people who would hear this conversation and, and hear us cautioning, you know, what you would call the creepers. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that creepers means different things to different people, depending on your cultural sort of uh, designation. There are some people who would identify creepers that you and I would not identify as creepers. Do you understand what I mean? That. It- yeah, but I, I, I don't want to downplay what I think you're saying. I do want to say, I think the person who would call, I think this is what you're trying to say, but the person who would call 
or who grew up in a racist environment that would call a black person a creeper because they're black has bigger problems than whether that person is a creeper. We're, we're talking about is people who are actual creepers, you know what oh, I mean? No, of course. Like, yeah, no, yeah. but, but, but I guess but the subject that I am bringing up is how do you balance? And this is what I do mean about that sure. conversation. How do you balance your fear with your imperative to be open hearted and open handed? Sure. Gotcha. How do you balance that? Yeah. And, and I think for you and I, that's a very different struggle than it would be for somebody right, wrong, whatever. I'm not making a moral statement who grew up thinking true. Okay. An evil thing yep. about yep. Yep. wrong people. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, as you, as an individual, how do you balance your fear, your, your completely present real fear with the imperative to push past that fear and be Christ's hands and feet in the world? How, how do you, how do you navigate that? And I think it requires, and here's, here's where I'll land with that so that listeners are not just left with the question. I think it requires a diverse community that we, that we've talked about before. I think it requires an actively diverse community. Surround yourself with like-minded people and surround yourself in a community with a few not quite so like-minded people. So that you can have a diversity because there's a great safety in that because when you're when you're surrounding yourselves again in 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 the the scriptures say and I don't have the scripture pulled up because it wasn't the one that I had pulled for this but in the presence of of many counselors there is great safety I think it's in Proverbs uh, in the presence of many counselors there is great safety that if you ha- if you surrounded yourself with a diverse group, a diverse community, then you're going to have a lot easier time not only identifying what we would legitimately call the creepers, but knowing how to, for lack of a better way to say it, how to how to handle the situation, how to either integrate right, them right, into that right. same community or identify the threat, identify the problem, whatever sure. whatever the situation is. And so I think community is the way to go. I don't think necessarily judgment is the way to go. Right. But I, but I would also say I would give a couple of pieces of advice for that kind of thing. I would say, you know, if you're uncomfortable with a the situation, then I don't think there's anything wrong or evil with removing yourself from that situation sure, sure i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh even if your fear is not based in objective reality right um but I, I do think that again there is safety in community and i don't just mean community of like hey we're gonna just be part of a mob i mean right safety in a diverse community of diverse ideas of diverse patterns of thought I think there's a lot of safety there to be able to identify and handle this. One of the things that Aaron struggles with is he's alone with Joseph, period. And sure. and when he finally does sort of reach out to to someone for help, you know, he calls the cops or whatever like that. I mean, he's just he's just never not alone. And and going back to that moment at the lake, he goes alone. Right, to to right. that place at the lake. And and we've talked before on other episodes that one of the things that predators in the animal kingdom that predators do um, to a potentially swift-footed prey is they isolate them. If they can isolate them, then they can capture and consume them. Sure. So I guess, you know, the how do, how do you deal with the creepers? I, I would say you... Join a street be, gang. <laughs> yes, join the warriors. <laughs> so, no, it's, it is, I, I think... 
I cannot stress enough, but be as active as you can in a, in a vibrant and diverse community. And if one does not exist with you, uh, then, then try to actively foster one, reach out for help, reach out sure. to, you know, to friends and say, Hey, how can I get involved in a church? Or if you're not a believer, how can I get involved in a community, uh, a group that some, something right, right, that right. I can surround myself with, um, a diversity of people, a diverse community that is thriving and vibrant that I can find friends and that there can be some safety there. I think that's how you deal with it. If you try to deal with it alone, if you try to handle it by yourself, that's when you are, I think at the most risk and at the biggest danger that's that's sort of my feelings on this whole thing well and i think i think for me personally and this is you know again kind of separate from the movie itself but the movie raises you know question marks around it is i think my primary struggle and will be likely for some years to come is the the, the parental side of it you know like sure. like i as an individual am relatively fine with most scenarios i encounter it's as I grow and learn how to let my children gain and find independence while also maintaining some level of protectivity over that protectiveness over that is going to be a challenge anyway, which again, sure. I know is not directly related to the movie except in so far as creepy people prey on innocent people, you know, yeah, not innocent, no, but you know, like, like easy prey. I mean, you just identified it. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Um, so. The uh, the scripture passage that I had to, to bring in for this is just uh, a passage from Jeremiah chapter 9. And, See, uh, the bullfrog. He was a bullfrog in a pot. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. That's right. In a pot. And, and <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> um, Jeremiah uh, chapter 9 and verse 7, beginning of verse 7, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says. See, I will refine and test them. For what else can I do because of the sin of my people? And then verse 8 says, Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With their mouths, they all speak cordially to their neighbors. But in their hearts, they set traps for them. And verse 9 says, Should I not punish them for this, declares the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And we don't often get into the the type of scripture passages that you know speak a little bit more wrathful or vengeful but what i what really stuck out to me about this particular passage was that part in verse 8 where it's like you know their tongues speak deceitfully i think it goes without saying that we have to be cautious because there's a lot of lies in the world and there's a lot of liars in the world and i think that what uh, what i would say is imperative is that you know even even the maker of heaven and earth who sees and I would say plants the divine spark in all of humanity recognizes that there are some real dangers and threats in the world. And I think the biggest safety, the biggest safeguard against those is again, I'll beat this drum to pieces is be as active a part as you can of as vibrant and diverse a community as you can. That is going to sure. be the, the, the bumper that I put on the whole thing is just be, be a part of, of a community that welcomes diversity and in that in that diversity you will find i believe tremendous safety because you will find friends and you will find challengers and you will find people who have just had different experiences and are going to be able to recognize different things and i think that's i think that's one of the imperatives is don't try to figure it all out alone because i think there's just a lot of foolishness in trying to discern and figure it all out alone um, don't be don't be an Aaron don't be an Aaron. Don't do what Aaron did. And Get a buddy. <laughs> bring a buddy. Bring a buddy. <laughs> tubby time. Like oh my I'm not. Goodness. Don't don't do tubby time alone. Um, 
Well, so, <laughs> I mean, it defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've uh, we've been you know going quite a while, so I think we could probably end it there. Uh, it's time to bring in uh, our good uh, community community representative, old Mister David S. Pumpkins. You ready to bring in? <laughs> you ready to bring in? Old Please bring Pumpkins? him along. We, we uh, safety in numbers, man. Safety in numbers. <laughs> so uh, as we do on every episode in which we cover a film, uh, we rate these in a very specific metric of that of David S. Pumpkins. We give it a number measurement one to five in the arena of style scares and substance and then aggregate that into a final number so in the area of style uh nathan i'll go first on creep so um we already mentioned about the the improvisational nature you can kind of see the seams a little bit but it's eminently compelling and the two leads are very very watchable um so i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna land on about a four for style in general yeah, I think for style that I would probably land at as much as I like a lot about the movie, there are places where I feel like the style start or the the actual style, like the the form starts to work against mm. itself a tiny bit. And so I'm gonna land at a three and a half for style. Okay. Sure. Uh what would you give it for the scares? Uh that, on the other hand, I would probably <laughs> land I think I'll, I, I'm very confident in a four. I'm tempted to four and a half, but I'm very confident in a four. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay at a four. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for me, I'll, I'll go ahead and be the little edge up. Cause I was going to okay. give it a four and a half. Cause yeah. I think that uh, it definitely, I mean, it is immensely effective for as, for as subtle and as uh, not necessarily subtle as understated as the overall piece is. It's terribly effective. Not a ton of special effects. It's all just, two dudes in different scenarios having conversations and it is terribly effective and very creepy um so yeah four and a half for me for for substance uh this one i struggled with because i think the premise is terribly alarming and intriguing and i think could and perhaps should spark some some really strong conversation but in the film itself it's like the whole thing is just kind of about that piece. So uh so for substance I'm going to hedge a little bit lower than than I usually do. I'm actually going to give it a three and a half for substance. Um I will I will join you on that boat, my friend. Gotcha. And I will join you in that tub uh and, <laughs> the and, tubby and, time. and give a three and a half to you. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Um so yeah, so that brings us to uh give you know one of our favorite ratings. We give Creep officially the Patrick Bryce directed Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass written Blumhouse Productions created wow. Creep. I had to get it all out. Uh, we give it seven and a half David S. Pumpkins, which I think is a... Is I a solid, man. Uh, solid. And I, 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 uh, I like the way that sits when I think about this film. So uh, yeah, seven and a half David S. Pumpkins feels about right. So yeah, uh, I'm a little... I'm a I little feel like scared. we should give as our question of the week, like a craft to the <laughs> listener, like make, create your own... Like in the movie, there's peach fuzz, like create your own monster. Like if you oh had a creepy animal or other type of mask in the top of your closet, what is the name of the character and what is the backstory of how you got it? <laughs> yes, well, that's what was so great about that. That element is when it enters the story, because again, once I finished the movie and started doing some Googling on the sto- on just the film. Like sure. the, pe- the peach fuzz iconography is everywhere like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really became I presume it shows up in the second one. Don't answer that. But, um, uh, you know, that really became like uh, the symbol of kind of the creepy factor of the yeah, film. Of course. Of um, course. But again, in the moment, the first time you encounter it, you're like, this is weird. 
but yeah, not yeah, yeah, not yeah. like scary yet, but but weird. Just so that's strange. That, yeah, yeah, or creepy, you might say. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You know. So anyway, yes, uh, your your assignment for this episode is to craft <laughs> a, 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 a new character, a new monster character for yourself. <laughs> In, indeed, indeed. Um, so yeah, so uh, listeners, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. Uh, join us over at the Facebook group for even further conversation. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this film, your thoughts on your own creepy peach fuzzes. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Nathan, thank you so much for enduring tubby time with me this Yo, week. Yo, really it's great. It. I mean, my fingers are all wrinkled, but hey, it's been fun. You know, <laughs> been in this I bath mean, a while, which should drain the water. And just, <laughs> oh, that's awful. All oh, right, awful. we'll see you next week for uh, candy coated water drops <laughs> bye guys you're so very special and I'm a The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word fear of god podcast at gmail.com and last but not least if you listen to us through itunes we would greatly appreciate a rating or review thank you for listening we'll see you next week